there will be people who show up at the farm at 11 o'clock still waiting for the baptism, but we'll just keep them there till next week uh, when we try to do that again. I want to say thank you. We have a lot of teams who kind of just jumped in and um, not knowing what was going to happen, and we have equipment that sits out, and if it gets wet, it gets ruined, and so there's just all kinds of stuff that has to happen in a short period of time, and these guys... Uh, putting a set together for this morning that they weren't really planning on doing. And so thank you guys for working hard and doing all that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Mossbrook is known for is we don't know what we're doing. I mean, we're flexible, okay? And uh, we admitted up front that things change and they change rapidly and we just have to run with it. And uh, we are so happy over all the years of doing ministry together. That's been our teams. And it's awesome to work with people who can do that. So um, next week, baptism, we're going to try again right up the street at 11 o'clock. Try to do our barbecue and hang out together. So be praying about that for, for this coming week uh, as we seek to put that together. Uh, this time of year, we start uh, looking for volunteers for the fair. The fair is happening. They're, they're headed that way. And so our gates and our parking need to be staffed, need to be manned. And I know some of you have already signed up for that. If you haven't and you're planning on it, please don't wait for everybody else. Just go ahead and put your name down. Uh, that would be a big help to us to have that filled in and ready to go. And so we always have a good time together uh, as we serve and, and we uh, serve our community and then just hang out uh, as, as believers and get to spend time together. So if you haven't done that, that sign-up is right back there, and you can take a moment and do that. We have a couple other opportunities to serve this week. Uh, the Hanscoms, who have been, a members, uh, been part of our church for a, a long time, uh, they are, have sold their house up here on Elms, uh, Elm Hill, and they're moving to West Paris, and they need some help on Thursday night. And if you have a little bit of time and could help them move some boxes and get some things moved, that would be great. Tim, where are you? Tim Yates, he's right there. Uh, if you could see Tim Yates, talk to him. He's putting that together, and he would love to have your strong back and weak mind. I mean, strong back as he gets ready to move that kind of stuff. Also, this weekend, um, Saturday the 28th, up on Paris Hill, uh, if you have a little bit of time, there we're helping them with Hamlin. Hannibal Hamlin, I knew I was going to do that, days um, up there. And we just need a few volunteers to uh, man a lemonade stand and kind of help out a little bit with a, a number of different things. Mr. Mike Morin, you want to wave? He's right there. Also, Tim Yates. Again, if you can talk to either one of those guys, they would love to use your, uh, have, have you help them on Saturday with that event. So that's coming right up. Thank you guys for being uh, willing and uh, listening to God as you've been giving. Uh, we appreciate your generosity and continue to give as God lays that on your heart. It's one of the ways that we get to worship, really. We don't talk a lot about it here at Mossbrook, but one of our acts of worship to God is giving what he's blessed us with. And one of the realities, really, as a Christ follower is that everything we have is his. It doesn't belong to us. We're simply stewards of what he's given to us. And he's asked us to use it in ways that further the kingdom of God and glorify him and cause people to see him. And whether that's in our personal finances and how we run our own homes, or it's the money that we, we generously give to different organizations or the church, God asks us to be stewards. And you guys have done well in stewarding your finances. 
And I want to say thank you and continue to listen to the Spirit of God as he leads you in that. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have uh, to worship together this morning. Thank you for the folks that have put so much effort into changing around what was going on. And our whole goal, our whole heart attitude this morning is that your name would be lifted up and that you would be, you would be pleased with our gathering and that we would glorify your son, Jesus Christ, and we would see Christ. So I pray that as the word of God is open, that, you would, that we would see Jesus as we sing these songs, that our hearts would be, point, would be, would be focused on you. And I pray that whatever has gone on in our week, and there's been a lot for a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff happening, and that you would just calm our hearts and help us to see Jesus. Thank you so much for the freedom we have to open the word, to worship together. And I pray that you'd continue to meet with us here. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to look into the word of God. And I pray that that would be what, what was just sung would be our heart attitude, that we would be overwhelmed by you, that we would come to the place in our heart where we would be willing to give up all of the stuff that we hold so tightly to. And we would allow your spirit and the person of Jesus Christ to have complete control and have our hearts, and have all of our lives. And that we would stop chasing the stuff that we think matters so much to us. And we would just say yes to you. So as we look into your word, I pray that your spirit would be free to lead us in that direction. That we would delight ourselves in who you are. Thank you for reminding of us of those truths this morning as we've been singing. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning we are in the book of 1 Timothy and uh, in our whole story event. And um, I had a lovely sermon all written um, for a baptism. And that led us into an un, uh, kind of another explanation of baptism. And then we changed that. And so um, I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And so we've changed a little bit how this is going to go about this morning. And uh, so bear with me as I, if I get off, you know, track once or twice, just it's okay. I'll come back. Okay. I won't wander too far, but we are in the book of first Timothy and first Timothy is the beginning of kind of a different, um, series of books. There's going to be a couple of these books that we're going to go through, and they're called pastoral epistles. They're written by Paul, but the attitude and the tone of these books is a little bit different. And it's, it's not so much being written to a church as a whole, although there are truths and there are, there are, there are principles and there are wonderful uh, nuggets within those books that are definitely for the church as a whole. And you're going to see that as we go through First Timothy this morning, that there are all kinds of great things that are for the church as a whole. But he's writing this, this little epistle in the next one, Second Timothy, to a, to a young pastor. And he's doing it uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, but he's going to paint a picture of what needs to happen within the church. And he's going to talk about how a church should function 
in these pastoral epistles. And, and really, one of the things about these uh, epistles is this, that, that the writings of Paul and how a church should function is really pretty simple. There's, there's not a lot of um, complicated explanations for things. They're pretty cut and dried. Uh, we tend to make things far more complicated. I, I don't know about you, but, but do you ever find that about yourself? Is that you end up complicating things to the point where you kind of give up before you even started because you made it so complicated in your mind. And then when you actually get to the point of doing it, it takes you like five minutes. But you had talked yourself out of it for days because it was so... We do that in a lot of things of life. And we do that in the church too. We complicate things drastically. I, I don't know if it's the nature of our, of our humanity or what it is, but we seem to do that. And Paul has a conversation here with, with Timothy in first and then second Timothy and then the book of Titus. And he kind of lays out how things should function, some qualifications for leadership. And uh, it's pretty straightforward. This, if you looked at the book of first Timothy, he kind of, there's three different things that in the outline that he looks at. We're not going to talk about all these, but he talks about believing correctly, how members of a church should worship and how they should behave in a church. And then how leaders are chosen and how a church should function. If you looked at that book, at those six chapters, you would find those kind of three major things talked about. There's more in there than just that. But those are some of the things that are talked about in this book of 1 Timothy. This morning, as, as we look at it, I want to give you three directives and a charge from, from Paul to Timothy and really from Paul to all of us. So three directives. Now, a directive is an official or an authoritative instruction. So I could have said three instructions, but I, I wanted to use the word directive because it came to my mind and I like the word. So three directives and one charge this morning from Paul. Paul is looking at a young man who is being placed in a position of authority. He's been given responsibility of a church as a whole. It's probably one of the churches that uh, that have been planted. Well, it is one of the churches that have been planted in the in the in the last little while, and 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 Timothy has been sent there to be the pastor of this church and to take over the responsibility. He's a young man. We know that by some things that are told to us in the passage. Uh, one of them is that Paul tells him, "Look, don't anybody look down at the at your youth, at the fact that you're you're younger, and whether that's just spiritual maturity or it's his age. I think it's probably both together." But Paul says, "Look." Don't, don't allow that effect to affect how you lead within the church. And so he's setting up some, some qualifications and some directions uh, for Timothy. Also, he's going to talk to Timothy about this, that it's very easy in a church setting and it's very easy as you go through life as a leader and you have some position of authority for people to come to you and give you all kinds of things that you need to spend your time on. Ever had people come to you and say, this is really important and you need to do this and you didn't know that it was important before they came to you and told you that it was important? You ever been there? Yeah. 
Yeah, that happens. It happens to us as leaders where people, and sometimes it is really important things that you've overlooked or you haven't thought about, but sometimes it's something that's just important and it's on their mind and in their world, it's really important. And maybe maybe it's even something that God has laid on their heart and they need to be involved in doing it. They're the ones who God is asking to do it, but but they don't want to or, or they don't even maybe know how. And so they come to you and say, okay, this is really important. And what could happen to you is if God... God has, has given you a job or a responsibility, you can be distracted or sidetracked from what it is that God has asked you to do because somebody else is telling you what's important. And that's part of what Paul is going to say to this young guy. He's going to say, hey, look, you need to stay focused on what God has asked you to do. And so I'm going to pull out of this this morning for us three directives, and then we're going to end with a charge that Paul gives to Timothy. Directive number one found in 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to use verses 3 to 5, but it says this, stay on mission. I need you to say that with me because I want to make sure you're with me. You ready? Stay on. Okay, one more time. You just say it. Ready? Okay, so right at this moment, no one is distracted. We're all staying on mission, right? Okay, stay on mission. Let me read this to you. As I urged you when I met when when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doc- doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. That's God's plan. Now, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So Paul starts this letter out by talking to this young pastor, and he says to him, look, I want to urge you, I want to remind you, I want to help you realize that it's really important for you to remember what the mission is and stick to the mission. And he starts out by saying, look, it would be very easy for you to get distracted. There are people around you who are already distracted, and they are teaching a doctrine that is not the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It's not the doctrine of the fact that God sent a redeemer who is his son, who is equally God to this earth, who walked on this earth, who lived a sinless life, who went to the cross, who died on the cross and paid the price for your sin that you and I could not pay. And then he was raised again. He rose again the third day and he defeated hell and the grave. And he is now seated at the right hand of the father and your job, your mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And that is it. That is it. And there are people around you who are going to talk about all kinds of other doctrines and all kinds of other things that they're going to add to the faith. And you, Timothy, need to stick to the main thing and keep the main thing, the main thing. Stay on mission. Don't get distracted. We live in a culture where people are talking about all kinds of things in all kinds of different ways and they're adding to what you need to do to your faith or with your faith or what you need to, the way you need to live or act or whatever. And they're adding that to the fact that Jesus Christ saved you. And Paul at the same time is saying the same thing to us as he's saying to Timothy, don't get distracted. 
It's about Christ. It's about Christ and Christ alone. That's it. And at this point, there were myths and genealogies. And when they say that, it's talking about the lines, right? The Jewish, the Jewish people come in saying, well, I'm from this tribe and I'm from this tribe. And this is what matters. These are the things that matter about my faith. And he's like, no, that's not what matters. What matters is Christ and Christ alone. That's what matters. You might be sitting here. Maybe you're like me. I grew up in a Christian home and a Christian family. And I grew up in a, in a, in a home where the, the name of Jesus Christ was lifted up and honored. And I grew up in a home where my parents have a, had a genuine, they're both gone now, they had a genuine walk with Jesus Christ. They knew Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And as their child, I could look at it and say, my genealogy is I have Christian parents who love God and know God. And because I have Christian parents then I, and I grew up in a Christian home, then I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's not true. Their faith is not my faith. Just because they knew Jesus Christ doesn't mean that I know Jesus Christ. Just because they taught me about who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ did for me doesn't mean that I have faith until I come to a place in my life, which I did, where I understood that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And until I came to the place that I personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I wasn't a believer in Christ. I wasn't walking with Christ. I didn't have a relationship with Christ. I got to stay away from that speaker. And the same is true for you. It's not what your family did. It's not who your family is. Say, but my mom has prayed for me all my life. Yeah, that's good. And she, I'm glad she's praying for you. But at some point, you have to come to the point where you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ yourself. You accept what Christ has done on the cross for you. And Paul looks at Timothy and he says, don't get to stay on mission. Stay on mission. Preach Christ and Christ crucified and Christ alive at the right hand of the Father who paid the price for your sin. And he ends this by saying this. He says, look, now the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a, severe, and a sincere faith. What he's saying is this. Look, our whole goal in doing this is not that anybody would see us as the leaders. Look, we don't want you to see Mike and I. We don't want you to see the elders board. That's not what it's about. I don't want you to look at me and say, well, Pastor Tim said, or Pastor Mike said, or one of the elders said, I want you to look at the word of God and I want you to see the love of Jesus Christ and say, well, God said this about me. God provided this through Jesus Christ. God gives me the Holy Spirit. It's not about me. It's with a pure conscience teaching the word of God so that you have a relationship with God that is yours and yours alone. I do not want to be between you and God. <laughs> Jesus Christ did that. And the Holy Spirit is the mediator between you and God. He's the one that points you and takes you to God. And so Paul says this to Timothy. He says, with a pure heart, not looking for anything. That's what that means. It's like not gaining anything, just the gospel, just the truth about Jesus Christ. That's it, with a pure heart and a good, clear conscience that what I am teaching and what I'm giving you is about God and God himself. And that's it. That's what he's doing. Stay 
on mission. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled out by all the things that are going on. Remember when Jesus was asked in the Gospels, what's the most important thing? What's the most important rule? What's the most in, what, what matters the most in the law? And Jesus looked at them and said, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and your neighbor of yourself. The mission, stay on mission. Love God. Love God. Love God. Let me ask you something, believer, this morning. Are you on mission? on mission. This last year and a half, it's been very easy to get distracted. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of news. A lot of decisions. But you know what? None of it changes the mission. It doesn't. Not a bit. Humanity Mankind, you and I, your family, your friends, your neighbors, our community still need a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. The mission's never changed. So Paul looking at Timothy and saying, stay on mission, guess what? Paul looking at you and I this morning, you know what he's saying? You can say it. What is it? Stay on mission. Say that again with me. What is it? Okay, you're still with me. Number two. Directive number two. Ready? This is a fight. So fight. Say that with me. This is a fight. So. Okay, let's do it again because not all of you are convinced. This is a so fight. So Paul looks at Timothy and he says this. Let me read this for you. First Timothy Chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction. In keeping with the prophecies previously made about you, they had laid hands on Timothy and sent him in, into, as a pastor, as a teacher. They'd asked him to go and do this so that by recalling them, this, these prophecies that were, were made about Timothy and what he would do, you may fight the good fight, having faith in a good conscience, which... Some have rejected and have shipwrecked the faith. If you jump to chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, let me, they're not going to be on the screen, but let me read this. But you, man of God, flee from these things. And he's talking about things that would distract you from living out your faith in Jesus Christ if you looked at chap, the end of chapter 5. And he says this, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul says this to Timothy, and he's saying this to us today. He says, look, believer, if you are a child of God, if you have come to the place where you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, then you are in a battle. Believer, you are, in a belie you are in a battle. There is a war going on right now, and that war is one of two things is happening. Either you're being distracted from your faith, and Satan is winning, and he's pulling you away, and he's making so you're not, you're not effective in your faith. 
you're not sharing who Jesus Christ is, or the Spirit of God has a hold of your heart and your life, and you are presenting the truth of who Jesus Christ is every day with every person that you run into. That's what's going on. One of two things. You're in a battle. You are in a fight. And the thing about the church in North America is we are, we are a complacent church. And a lot of times we're an, we're an oh well church. Oh well our family has made decisions to not live for God. Oh, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Oh, well, my work is making me do things that are kind of questionable, and I don't know if I wrote, but oh, well, oh, well, I'm watching things that I ought not to be putting in my heart and my mind, but oh, well, I don't know. I, I'm listening, I'm reading, I'm doing things that I ought not to, but oh, oh, well. And Paul looks at Timothy and he says, hey, you're in a battle. This is a fight. And you don't win a fight by saying, oh, well. You don't win a fight by sitting on a stool in the corner hoping the other guy will trip. It doesn't work in a boxing match. That doesn't happen. You don't win a fight unless you engage in the fight. And here's the thing about the battle that we're in, that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has given us everything we need to fight the fight to wage the war. And Paul looks at Timothy and he says, Timothy, look, I gotta, I'm going to give you a directive here. Fight! Don't think about it. Fight! And most of us have not put enough. We, we don't put any energy into the fight. We just gotta want let life happen. Oh, well. Nothing I can do. Yeah, you can you know what amazes me? As scripture tells me this, that the same power that rose Jesus Christ or raised Christ from the dead lives in me. If you're a believer here, you have that power at your disposal. You think you can fight? <laughs> you want to believe it. Here's what's going on. Though the devil has, has lulled us to sleep and it doesn't matter to us anymore. And so we just sit back. It's not okay. It's not okay. Folks, there are people in your families who are living a life right now that is hopeless. There are people that you're working with and that you know really well who are in bondage to addictions and there's absolutely no way out for them and they are giving up. And God looks at us and says, fight! Do something about it. Do something. And he tells this young preacher, he says, look, buddy, you're going into a battle. You're going into a war. Stay focused. Stay on mission and fight every day. Get up and fight the battle. Fight the battle. Hey, how engaged have you been in the fight? Have the distractions of life pulled you away and Satan looks at you as a believer and says, well, I don't have to put anybody on him. They're not doing anything anyway. <laughs> Are you so engaged in the fight 
that he's double teaming you because you're causing problems. That's the way it should be. Because the power of God is at your disposal. Fight. Say, well, how do I do that? How do I stay engaged? How do I keep at this? It's tiring. It's hard. How do I keep going? Well, Paul doesn't leave Timothy. He gives him another directive. And he says, look, here's how you stay on course. Let me give it to you. Here's the third directive. Ready for this? It's really deep. It's really hard. It costs a lot. You ready? Pray. You say that with me because I make sure I don't want you to lost. You might have lost me on the last one. You ready? One, two, three. Okay, I almost got everybody. Ready? One, two, three. Pray. Now that seems really simplistic. Let me be really honest with you when I tell you this about prayer. I'm going to read you a scripture in just a minute. This is the one that trips me up because it's too easy. It is. Say, but you're a pastor. Yeah, I'm a pastor. And there are times when it ends up being the last thing I do and it should be the first thing that I do, right? It's so simple. Guess what? I don't have to go anywhere to do it. I don't have to see anyone to do it. It should be the first thing that comes to my mind when stuff is going on and I'm in the battle and I'm, I'm losing focus, I'm getting off mission and I'm not fighting the way that I should be fighting. The first thing I should be doing is going to God and saying, Father, thank you. You've given me the power. Help me to tap in because I need it right now. And it's the last thing. I, I get overwhelmed. I get, I get tired. I get discouraged. I get cranky. And then, and then partway through it, I realize <laughs> I'm not tapping into the source that I have. The Spirit of God, it's there for me. Satan is so good at distracting us from what is ours in Jesus Christ. And so 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, and then verse 8, he says this. He says, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. He says, Timothy, look, you need to be praying for everybody. Guys, folks, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, part of Mossberg, you'll be praying for each other all the time. Pray. Pray when you don't know what to pray. Say, God, I, don't, I do this all the time. I don't know a lot. And so I do, all the, I do this all the time with God. God, I don't know what to pray for this person, but I know they need prayer. You direct me in this. And he says this, he says, pray for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. In other words, Paul looks at Timothy and says, look, if you'll pray, if you will come before God and you'll pray for the people in front of you, the people that are in the church that I'm, I'm giving to you, the, those in authority over you, the kings, the rulers who you don't agree with, all the, if you'll pray for those people, your heart attitude will, will go back to the mission, which is that everybody would know Christ. And part of our struggle is we get caught up in life and because our heart is not back with Christ, because our, our, our thoughts and our heart attitudes are on ourselves, we get off the mission. God can't bring us back to the mission. But if we're in prayer for everyone all the time, guess what the Spirit of God does? 
He reminds us constantly of the need of the people around us. They need me. That's what he does all the time. And so prayer isn't just about lifting people up. It's about aligning my spirit with the spirit of God. It gives God a chance to speak into my heart and my life and to remind me what really matters. You having a hard time with somebody at work? Don't grouch and complain about it. Pray for them. Pray for them. Take them before God. If you take that person before God, I guarantee that God's going to cause you to look at that person in a totally different way. Guarantee it. You having a hard time at home? You having a hard time with your family? Get on your knees and pray about them. Take them before God. And I guarantee that God will change your heart and how you interact with them and how you treat them and how you love them and how you care for them. It's what God does. And so Paul looks at Timothy and he says, directive number three, pray, pray for everyone. Pray for them all the time. Don't stop. He ends verse eight. He says, therefore, I want men in every place to pray. Lift up holy hands without anger and without argument. Just pray. Get before God and pray. Believer, how you been doing? What's your prayer life like? Can you put it in a thimble? Does it fit in a five-gallon bucket? What's it look like? How big is it? Do you believe that God wants you to be in his presence? He does. He's asking. Be in his presence. So three directives. He says what? Stay on mission. What? Fight. Fight. And then he says what? Pray. Pray. And then he ends this with a charge. He gives Timothy a charge. Now a charge is when someone looks at you and they impose a task on you. That's what a charge is, okay? It's when they say, look, this is really important and, and I'm going to give, I'm, in, in my authoritative position, I'm going to give you, I'm going to impose this task on your life. And that's what Paul does to Timothy at the end of this book. Chapter 6, verses 20 to 21, he says this. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some people have departed from the faith. Grace be with you. Here's the charge. Guard what has been entrusted to you. Mossbrook Church, I want to take what Paul the charge that Paul gave to Timothy, and I want to give it to us. Not me to you, to us. God giving it to us. Guard what God has given to you. Guard the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. Don't get caught up in arguments and stuff that would pull you away from the truth of who Christ is, that would take your eyes off the mission, guard your heart. Don't allow garbage and junk to fill up your heart and take you away from what really matters. Guard, put a guard, put a lock. 
Be in the word of God. Fill your heart and your mind with the word, the very person. Remember, scripture tells us that this word is alive. It is the very word and breath of God. And it will put a guard. It will put a stop on your heart. It will not allow you to be distracted or pulled away from what really matters. Guard what has been entrusted to you. Believer, stay on mission. Fight. Pray. Take the word of God and guard your heart. Father, would you grant us the courage to follow through on what Paul has brought to our attention this morning in this book of 1 Timothy? Would you help us to live out our faith in a way that is real, that's alive? Help us not to be lulled into sleep, into an attitude of, oh, well. Help us to stay on mission for you. Help us to guard our hearts against a culture that is pulling us away. God, by your spirit, encourage our hearts. In your name we pray, amen.